Welcome to the G3 Podcast. I'm Virgil Walker, and uh, with me today are Josh Bice and Scott Annual. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Good, man. good. We've got an awesome uh, plan for you today, an awesome podcast uh, ready to re- record for you today. want you to learn a little bit of something about how to study the Bible. I think for me, uh, this is an important, important topic uh, coming out of Word of Faith, coming out of Prosperity Gospel, uh, for me, understanding proper biblical hermeneutics were critically important. And so I'm excited today as we jump into this conversation. I think you're going to find it incredibly beneficial. And uh, and with that, I'm, I'm going to toss to you, Josh, and see yeah. what you have to say about this yeah, topic. Yeah, this is a fantastic topic, and I think it's really important for all of us to talk through and think through how we approach the Bible. I mean, this is a special book. I mean, it's it's one book made up of 66 books written over the period of 1,500 years by 40 different human authors on three different continents in three different languages. Mm-hmm. And so this is a very unique book. It is God's book. Yeah. And it really reigns supreme in the library of human history. So how we approach it does matter. And so when we think of Bible study, this idea that has been prevalent you know, for so many years, this idea of just reading a passage and then just simply asking, well, what does this passage mean to you? Right, right. And you, you, know, you sort of go around the room and right. you just talk about it. That is not the way that we approach the study of Scripture. You know, this is God's sacred word. It is holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant, sufficient, authoritative. And so how we approach it does matter. So we should not approach the study of the Bible like we approach any other book that we read. Now, there are certain methodologies that we would employ that would be similar. But we simply don't treat the Bible like we would treat it like the, you know, a a book by by some average man. Right. Right. I think both of those aspects are key because this is a unique book for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, It is a divine book. It is literally breathed out by God. Uh, the Holy Spirit uses this book to work salvation in the hearts of dead sinners and sanctification in the hearts of believers. So we, so it is a unique book. We don't approach it like other books. But at the same time, we don't want to fall into the opposite trap of saying, well, since this is a divine book, all I have to do is sort of put my hand on it and read it, and then the, the truth is just going to be infused in me. No, you have to read, study. Like you said, Josh, you have to apply, in some ways, some of the same interpretive techniques we would imply to any book you know, out there to understand the meaning of the text so that the meaning of the text is what the Holy Spirit uses to transform our lives. Yeah. Mm. I, I think what, what Josh, what you said earlier was, was critical. I think what's happened in the vast majority of, of Christian culture at churches is exactly what you said. I think people gather around in a circle. Uh, someone's deemed the leader of that, of that conversation. Mm-hmm. They kind of lead the conversation. No real biblical hermeneutic, no proper hermeneutic is really leveraged or used in that instance. And people just mystically think about what does this mean to me yeah. or how does this make me feel when I read it? And then that becomes the commentary around a, a Bible study. Yeah. Um, in your mind, kind of as you, as you think about how we got there or why that is or, or maybe even what we can do about it. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so uh, that's a really good question, Virgil. When you talk about hermeneutics, you talk about, you know, again, this 
this simply means interpretation of Scripture. It's the science of biblical interpretation. So we're trying to understand what God has written in His Word. And so whether it's the, the reading and study of Scripture personally or whether it's for preaching and teaching of the Bible, I like to talk about, you know, sort of like an approach to Scripture that we should employ and we should think about it this way. If my grandfather passed away and our whole family got together after the funeral and we're all together for the first time in many years, years, and maybe I went up into the attic space, and I'm looking around and thinking about time spent up there as a child, you know, just snooping around as a boy, and I found an old box of letters from my grandfather. If I came down the stairs and put those in the center of the table, and we started taking those letters out and reading those letters from my grandfather to my grandmother, where would we begin with that that whole, you know, reading of those letters? Would we start at the top and read to the bottom? Or would we start at the bottom and read to the top? Or would we start in the middle and try to take key words and make a nice little outline? Or (laughs) how would we do this? Well, call me crazy, but I think that everyone would agree the very best way to get to the original intention of my grandfather to my grandmother would be to start at the very top and read to the very bottom, maybe even looking for key things like date, location, all of that, but you're reading the full context, you get the flow Mm -hmm. and the main idea of that letter. Well, that's the exact same way that we should approach the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. There is a methodology, there is a a process to think through uh, as we look at that, uh, as we understand uh, biblical hermeneutics, rather than we we use words like eisegesis and Mm -hmm. exegesis, right? right. Exegesis, we want to pull from the scripture what's actually there. The eisegesis is reading into the the text, uh, what's not there, uh, or implanting or uh, inserting your own ideas into the text. And often, I think when you're in a circle and folks are saying, what does this mean to me? That's exactly what they're doing. They're doing eisegesis, what what I think, how I formulate my ideas. Let me read that onto or into the text, rather than what, Josh, you talked about, which is context. Uh, the idea about uh, about proper biblical hermeneutics is learning what what is the context of what's being said. What is the historic framework of what we're looking at? What are, what are the what is what is the author's intent uh, as we study the the Word of God? Yeah, if you think about it, so much of errant theology is a result of bad interpretation like that. Mm-hmm. Taking taking a little verse out of its context. Yep. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Well, that that ought to mean I, you know, I can slam dunk, right? I mean, right, you right. know, uh, <clears throat> you don't play sports what, though. And bro, what sport I mean, is that? So. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but but that's but it's it's sad but true, right? That so much of of faulty thinking, faulty theology, and then the result, mm-hmm. faulty Christian living. Mm-hmm is a result of not applying straightforward, simple principles of biblical interpretation yeah. to the reading of the text. Yeah, to that point, you know, just to just to take that passage from Philippians, you take that passage and you look historically at, you know, years ago when Tim Tebow was playing sports, yeah. he was, you know, the quarterback for the Florida Gators. He was going to play what team for the national championship? I don't know what you're talking Virgil? about. I have no idea yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> so they were so they were playing for the national championship. Yes, they were. They were playing and Oklahoma. That's right. That's right. And um and as they were preparing to go out to take the field in the locker room under their eye in their eye paint, they were they were you know, writing various messages. Some of the players were putting their zip codes. Others were putting their mother's name. Right. And so uh, what Tim Tebow did 
was he wrote John three sixteen in white paint, you know, with the with the black eye paint as the the backdrop, so it was very visible from the camera. And so when they would zoom in on his helmet and on his face as he's playing the national championship game, people could see John three sixteen. Well, after the game was over. Of course, they won, obviously. Yes, they did. And, um, <laughs> you know, of course, again. I don't you know, know about obviously, but. Well, yeah. you, you, you've got to remember, I'm a Georgia fan. So there's there's no love here for the Florida, the Florida Gators. Gators. Gotcha. Um, but <laughs> after it was over, someone told him, said, uh, you know, John 316 was Googled millions yeah. and millions mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. You know, during that during that game. Well, the interesting thing about that was, and we could all celebrate that, you know, from a Christian perspective. Absolutely, That's yeah. a really good thing. Yeah. But the problem was, all season long, he did not put John 3.16 under his eyes. Right. He put a different verse. He put Philippians 4.13. Right. And again, uh, the problem with that is that Philippians 4.13, as Scott mentioned a moment ago, has nothing whatsoever to do with scoring touchdowns. No. And so that's what we call bumper sticker theology. Right. We have to be very careful about how we take a passage, rip it out of its context, and then just put it on a bumper sticker or eye paint for a football player, because that is not what Paul was intending to communicate in that letter. Right. He was writing from prison to a church, and he's talking about suffering. He's talking about enduring all things for the for the glory of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about, you know having, you know, resolve and energy and, and all of this to, to score a touchdown. Right, right. I think a lot of times when we get things wrong uh, as it relates to biblical interpretation, a lot of it has to do with what, what Josh just mentioned, which is kind of that, that bumper sticker theology. Mm-hmm. The text that, that that's drawn to my mind is is probably one of the more famous texts that are, that are misused, uh, which is Matthew 7, 1. Mm-hmm. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so more times than not, people are using that to say, don't judge me, mm-hmm. as if as a Christian, you have no ability to make judgments. Uh, scripture is absolutely clear that we have judgments to make, uh, that we are to make judgments. In fact, the very same text uh, says this in verse 3, why do, you, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6 says, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they be trampled underfoot and turn to attack you. Well, if you simply go, judge not lest you be judged, and stop there, that's the end, right? We're not to judge. <clears throat> but the scripture goes on to ab- absolutely explain that you're going to have to make judgments about your own life, uh, p- put the mirror of God's word to your own face, mm-hmm. and recognize that there's a log in your eye. Uh, but it goes further to say that after you've done that, you're going to need to make another judgment that there is indeed a speck in your brother's eye. Furthermore, you're going to have to determine who the dogs and the pigs are so that mm-hmm. you don't throw your pearls before them. Uh, so if we just took verse 1 and 2 and, and left it at that uh, and didn't read the full context mm-hmm. of the text, uh, we can make very different applications. Yeah, so what we're really saying here is that really one of the first steps in interpreting any biblical text is to determine its context. That's right. And I think this is important to to park on for a moment because this is one of those areas where we're dealing with a book that in some ways is like any other book because you would do that if you open to the middle of – 
you know, Tolkien's Fellowship of the Ring, you want to interpret a line based on its context. So right. that's that's common to any 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 passage of scripture. You want to look at the verses just before and the verses just following, like you just did, mm-hmm. to see that context. You want to look at the whole argument of the whole book and how does this verse fit in. But one thing that's unique about Scripture is that the other thing that we affirm because this is a book inspired by God is that there is a unity to the entirety of Scripture. Mm. So not only are we interpreting a particular phrase or verse in light of its immediate context and the context of the book, but really we ought to interpret it in light of the entirety of Scripture and the progress of God's revelation. And so this is where comparing one text to other texts, Uh, if there's an, a, an explicit allusion, perhaps, to an Old Testament narrative, that's going to be significant. Uh, and this is where the careful reading and Bible study process comes in. It, we're just interpreting one little phrase, but there's so much context we have to take into account when yeah. we interpret any portion of Scripture. Yeah. yeah, so when we think about context, what what are we looking for? Yeah. So we're looking for certain things, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, we're going to ask ourselves honest questions like, who wrote this book, Mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. And then who is this author writing to? So you're the audience. Yeah, so you're talking about the recipient, the audience, the author. Mm -hmm. You're also going to talk about genre. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to talk about, you know, various different, you know, types of literature that's contained in the Bible. So like 2 Timothy, a more didactic passage is is going to have different mechanisms at play from a literary standpoint Mm -hmm. Than something like an apocalyptic, you know, piece of literature like, say, the Book of Revelation, mm-hmm. and so you're going to have to be able to come to that passage with the understanding that the context involving that genre will actually function in a different way. Yeah. When when you think about context uh, and and you understand it and and it's kind of historic the historical framework mm-hmm. uh, of a particular book or letter that's that's written for example with Paul in writing to the church at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. Uh, it's it's one of those things where if you understand the the people when Paul met them, you know, how his, you know his impact on them, the gods that they worshiped and and how their decision to follow Christ was was one where, where they really separated themselves uh, from the rest of, of culture. Uh, and then you read Paul writes in, 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 uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 how, how the, the sovereign God of the universe chose us in him before the foundation yeah. of the world. That has a, a significantly larger impact when you understand the full measure and weight of what the people had gone through as a result. Um, I, I, I absolutely love teaching uh, biblical interpretation and and, and for in, in the settings that that I've been primarily it's just been a, a real common kind of Bible study approach thinking mm-hmm. about context making observations of the text looking at the meaning as a result of that study and then application flows right out of that yeah. uh, it's really simple it's not difficult to understand what the proper biblical application is once you've walked through uh, the you know the a proper biblical hermeneutic. Yeah. One, one of my personal favorite sort of steps in biblical interpretation, after you, you do all of this, you, you know the author, you know the general context, you know the situation, you know the audience, is to then look at, look at a little paragraph, look at a little section, mm-hmm. and begin to try to grasp the big picture flow and structure of what's happening in that text. Mm-hmm. And that's important because if you just dive right down in, then you know we we all sort of I think intuitively intuitively recognize, but we miss this when we interpret scripture. Is that not every word holds the same weight? Mm-hmm. Not every sentence holds the same weight. When we write something or speak something, 
Uh, we, we usually have a main point and we have key words that we're yes. emphasizing. Yes. And those are the kinds of things that we need to be looking at in a text because often misunderstanding results from failing to do that as well. Mm. Um, I, I like to compare this uh, to, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to visit a new location, I'm going to a new city or I'm going to go on a trip or whatever, um, I, I like to pull it up on Google Maps first and just kind of get the bird's eye lay of the land so that when I'm on the ground, mm-hmm. I've already recognized here are the major roads, here are the major landmarks so that I can navigate around not having been to that area before. And that's really essentially what we need to do with a biblical text. Mm-hmm. We need to identify the main roads. We need to identify the landmarks, the key words, mm-hmm. and, and, and pick those things out, figure out what those things are prior to then working verse by verse to go through the text. Because if we understand that map, if we understand the, the structure of this paragraph and how things are working and where things are leading, then when we get down on the ground and we begin to work through what the author has to tell us, mm-hmm. uh, those things will pop out at us. And we'll, we'll really then, right, our goal, as we've said several times, is to understand the author's intent. Yeah. Then we'll really come to, to understand this is what the author wanted to communicate to his original audience and therefore, that's what God wants to communicate to us as well, moving then to application. I want to talk, I want to talk briefly about, and those all are, are important keys. Uh, I think we've, we've covered some of the ground about context, observation, looking at sentence structure and the like. Uh, what, what are some of the tools? Let's talk a little bit about tools, and, and particularly a tool I'm excited about uh, here at G3. We've got G3+. Plus. Yes. Uh, so there's a resource that we have that will be available uh, to you even now to download uh, G3+. Plus. You can go to g3men.com. Org and download G3 Plus. Uh, and for our listeners, you can use the code G3 Podcast uh, to receive your first month of G3 Plus for free. I, I want to talk a little bit uh, before we, we we begin to kind of turn the page about about tools, resources. How, how do how do you know if I'm at home thinking through how I want to do proper biblical hermeneutic? What 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 kind of tools do I need to make sure that I'm I'm doing it rightly? Yeah. So I, I think. What Scott was saying a moment ago is extremely important. You look at that map, if you just use that analogy, you look at those different roads and and it helps you understand and, and be driven to like the the the, the city square, if yes, you will. Yes. And so that's the the main idea of of the passage, the you know, the big idea of the passage. And so um so when you're looking at a, a passage of scripture, you're gonna want to look for, you know, key words yeah. and key phrases. Yes. And so you're going to want to be able to define those words. Oftentimes it's the verbs that are going to be providing the movement of the passage. Mm-hmm. But uh, just one of the, the key resources that I use on a regular basis is, uh, you know, the Theological Dictionary of the New yep. Testament. Yep. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really comprehensive uh, set of uh, tools that, you know, you can find the history of words, yeah. uh, the morphology. You can look at various different component parts of, of the grammar itself. Um, but uh, there's an abridged version as well. So they call it the Kittle, and then they call it the Little Kittle, mm-hmm. you know, the abridged. So if you have Logos Bible software, you can, of course, purchase that have it there accessible to you on your computer, or you could have it in hardback version, you know, and, and uh, you know, just there in your library and use it on your desktop. But, you know, just whatever methodology you prefer, mm-hmm. 
you know, sometimes people prefer just working from a book yeah. with a, a piece of paper on a on a desk so that they don't have any distractions, dings, buzzes, or whatever it might be. So they don't really like working, at least at the beginning stages, from a computer. And I think that that can sometimes slow you down. Yeah. Now, when you hear slow you down, that, that sometimes sounds like it's not very efficient, mm-hmm. but it actually can be very helpful. Mm-hmm to slow yourself down on purpose so that you're not just busy trying to write down points of application, typing it on a screen. You can actually be working slower as you're forcing yourself to think and write on a piece of paper before you ever get to the place where you're actually typing things out, which is really important. Those things are great. I I often, at least when I started, uh, used a study Bible Mm -hmm. uh, just from a standpoint of basic context. Um, You know, uh, the the MacArthur Study Bible is fantastic for that. Uh, I used to grab uh, a commentary uh, just to unpack what historically took place uh, so that I could have a clear understanding of that. One of the things that we have here at G3 is a a great book, Mm -hmm. uh, especially for the study of the book of Galatians. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, there's there's a commentary in Galatians that's real helpful. The, the other thing I wanted to wanted to recommend, and this might seem counterintuitive for some people listening, but Chip Thornton, who wrote the commentary in Galatians, which again is a great tool for studying through Galatians, also wrote this book, Point to Point Preaching. And you might think, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, this is not applicable to me. But actually, the principles that uh, that Chip lays out in this book are really the same sorts of principles that anybody should use for Bible study. Now, there are uh, section, chapters towards the end on, on how to actually preach a text, and you might not be a preacher and might not need those. But really, the majority of the book is how to determine what did the author mean about a text, mm-hmm. what is the primary meaning of the text, how to consider context, how to consider cultural issues. And so this is just a fantastic resource for anybody who wants to know how to study the Bible. Yeah. Well, here at G3, we've got things like the, uh, the G3 Expository Preaching Workshop uh, that we're encouraging not just pastors. Definitely, we want pastors to be a part of that. Uh, but church leaders, those who, who desire eldership or those who just want to learn how to study the Bible. One of the things that we did recently um, here this uh, earlier this year uh, was we opened up a, a women's yeah. uh, teaching workshop. Uh, and it really was eye-opening to see the ladies for the first time, rather than kind of what's been historically known as as kind of women's Bible study, uh, kind of this light, uh, light-hearted approach. Hey, what does this mean? mean to me kind of approach. We really dove into some biblical hermeneutics richly, and the ladies responded incredibly well. So much so that they they called their husbands uh, and and men who maybe had not been a part of uh, our expository preaching workshops were interested in what the ladies were learning. And so we're talking about uh, opening this up, maybe not just having the, the, the preaching workshop, but having a teaching workshop specifically aimed at the men. Uh, these are things that we're committed to here uh, at G3. Talk a little bit, Josh, about maybe even the thought process that you had around opening this up for, for the ladies. Well, again, that's been somewhat of a, a controversial subject in recent days, whether or not women should actually study and, you know, study theology, right. study theology for the purpose of, you know, personal Bible study or even to communicate the truth of God's word to others. And obviously we believe that Jesus has given his great commission to his church, which involves both men and women. And we are to go out and we are to make disciples of all nations. Mm -hmm. And so uh, obviously that involves 
you know, women engaged in a what we might call a Titus II model, training not only children but other women, younger women, making disciples for the glory of God. Now, if you're going to make disciples for the glory of God, you need to understand how to rightly handle the Word of God. And so, obviously, we believe that you know, even a mom who stays at home and and is raising children in the life of the home. Um, if she's committed to home education, you know, if we think about home education, it's not just a sterile education that's removed from the public school system. It is a Christian worldview that is taken straight from the pages of Scripture. So if she's going to be educating her children at home, then guess what? She needs to know how to read the Bible yeah. and to explain the Bible to her children. Yes. Right? So this is extremely important. Yeah. yeah, these kinds of things are important. In fact, we've got a workshop coming up January 17th and 18th that you'll want to be a part of. It's in Newport Ritchie, Florida. Uh, and again, the, the men there are going to be looking at Second uh, Timothy. Uh, you'll definitely want to be a part, participate. Go to g3men.org. Get connected. As we kind of begin to wrap up our thoughts about, um, you know, about biblical hermeneutics about Bible study, how to study the Bible. Do you men have any, any last words or final thoughts about, about why this is important or how people should implement it? Yeah, let me, let me just add one thing, and that is uh, you, need, you need to discipline yourself to do this. That's good. Right? That's really Set good. aside a time. Yeah. Uh, there are always excuses for why we can't put aside the time to, to study the Bible, um, but, but it really is a discipline. It is a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Uh, we know that it is the Word of God that is – that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the Word of God that we need to grow spiritually uh, in our walk with Christ. Uh, we can't do that apart from a local church, apart from from all of the regular means of grace on the Lord's Day. Uh, but 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 the Lord's Day is not enough. Yeah, that's we good. need to be regularly in the Word. So find a time. You know, there's no magic time. Right. Uh, it's going to be different for every person, every family. Uh, but find a time. Set aside that time. And then just give attention to the reading of Scripture, the studying of Scripture. What is what is what does God intend? What is the God intended meaning of this text for the original audience, and therefore for me? And if we just sink into that motivation uh, and that discipline, the Lord's going to use that, and His word will not return void. Yeah, that's really good, Josh. Any final thoughts there? Yeah, just a couple of things. Obviously, I think uh, what Scott said is is really important. I, I think. Every single Christian is called to understand how to, you know, approach the Bible appropriately to rightly handle the Word of God. This is not just for pastors or theologians or professors. This is for every Christian. Right. It's extremely yeah. important that we handle the Word of God properly. I remember in a personal example of my own ministry early on, I was just, you know, prior to, you know, going off to seminary for, you know, the, you know study, theological study, to learn how to actually handle the Word of God properly from an official standpoint. I was given some opportunities to preach in the life of our local church, and I remember preaching from Acts 26, where Paul is giving a defense of his ministry before Agrippa. And I remember that I I read from the King James Bible where Paul is, you know, he's giving his defense of the gospel and his ministry— And then Agrippa responds and says, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. And I went on to wax eloquent about how Paul had almost persuaded Mm -hmm. Agrippa, uh, only to then have a wise older man come to me after the benediction Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and, and, and it's a painful thing when this happens. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you have not handled the word of God properly. And he said, young man, I want to help you understand something is that Agrippa was not saying that Paul had almost persuaded him. Right. In fact, in the original text, what he's saying is he's saying, do you really think in such short time that you could persuade me to be a Christian? Right. And I just remember that feeling of just, I mean, I was so disappointed. I lost sleep that night, <laughs> but it was it was one of those moments. It was a key marker for me yeah. to always remember that the study of Scripture is is explicitly important. It is extremely important, and we need to come to the Word of God with this careful mindset that we are handling the very Word of God, yeah. so that we're you know and. Again, it doesn't matter if it's personal Bible study, if you're studying the Bible in the context of your home for family worship, it's inevitable that you're going to make a mistake here and there. Right. Uh, but the, the the point is, is that we need to endeavor to approach the Word of God so that we will not have to apologize when we finish the interpretation yeah. and the explanation of God's Word. Yeah. Man, that's great. Those are great thoughts, great words. Appreciate you all sharing. We're hopeful that this was of benefit to you. You do not want to miss what's happening with us here at G3 uh, in this next year. Uh, we had a fantastic time at our conference, uh, but we're looking to do a whole lot more in the years to come. So be sure and join us, connect with us, like, subscribe, share, this with others uh, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the G3 Podcast.